Radatoska Press presents Tales of the Chai Makani Trio by Kate McLeod, performed by Oliver Vincent, Episode Twelve, The Last Departure. Up until a few days ago, Elliot had spent his entire life within the city walls of the capital of the planet Odgal. He had climbed to the tops of those walls from time to time to look down at the jungles and grasslands that spread around the mountain the city was perched on, not with any longing to leave his home, just out of a desire to look around. But since the moment he had met Alextra and Kiani in Mama Scotty's restaurant, it felt like he had been everywhere, down into the jungles, up into space to the far side of the moon, then down again to the heart of the desert that lurked just beyond the horizon from the city. He had seen hidden rebel spaceports, killer trees, and the most magical of gardens. So it felt a little strange, after all those wide-ranging journeys, to be back home. Well, sort of. Elliot had grown up close to the walls on the western side of the city, pretty much the poorest part of town. He knew that cluster of blocks immediately, every rooftop and every sewer grate. But now he was in the richer neighborhoods. Colton Ward's mini-tank roared through the wide, smoothly paved streets from where he sat with Keani on top of the tank. Elliot could see over the residential walls around him, into lovingly maintained gardens where brightly dressed children played with pets or toys. He saw people tending to vegetable patches or flowering shrubs. He saw houses that seemed to be built entirely out of glass, opaque in places to keep his prying eyes out. He had never imagined people so close to him were living such very different lives. And when he had lain on the rooftop that was his sleeping place, he had gazed up at the Commonwealth's ships that never left the sky over the city. He had never more than noticed the tower that thrust up like a spear towards those ships, but that was where they were heading now, the tank following roads that spiraled ever higher up the slope of the mountain. Who lives in that tower? Kiani wondered as the tank rolled up to their gate in the inner city wall, the wall that divided the government buildings from the rest of the city. Enforcers quickly waved them through, Colton Ward never even bothering to come to a complete stop. I don't know, to be honest. I never really thought about it. It was always just there, Elliot said. I spent a lot more time thinking about those ships. Yeah, they're hard to ignore, Kiani agreed. I saw them from my prison camp, but they are so much bigger here. Feels like I could reach out and touch them. It's oppressive, Elliot said. The tank engine quieted for a moment, and they coasted along the road as if Colton Ward was debating stopping where they were, or turning in through the open gates of the governor's mansion, but Alextra must have argued against it, and soon enough, the tank was accelerating again, following the curve of the road uphill, circling around to the back of the palace and the highest eminence of the natural mountain. And atop that eminence was the tower. It looked like some strange outgrowth of the mountain's rock like it had just become smoother and more regular over time. Elliot's eyes followed the windowless stone walls all the way up. It was like that tower was trying to spear the ship directly overhead. It had to be an illusion. There was no way that tower was that tall or that ship that close, but it made his stomach queasy all the same. The tank came to a halt where the road ended. Then the top hatch swung open and Alextra came out, followed by Colton Ward. We walk from here. Alextra said. At first, Elliot didn't see how that was even possible, but there was a path that started where the road ended, not a formal groomed path, just a rut formed by many feet over many years. 
Alextra led the way along that path towards the stone prominence, then up a very steep metal staircase that had lurked hidden between two outcroppings of rock. Elliot didn't like how steep that staircase was, or the way it had clearly come loose from its moorings in the rock in several places. It moved underfoot as they climbed, it even shifted a little in the wind, and already the tank parked at the end of the road looked tiny. It was a long way down. The staircase ended far short of the door in the side of the tower, and they had to scramble up a steep slope that was covered in loose gravel that slid and rolled under their feet. How can anyone live up here? Every time you would need to shop for food, you would risk death trying to get your shopping bag back up here, Elliot said. She doesn't come this way, Alextra told him. She was the first one to reach the door. It was a heavy thing of dark metal that came to a pointed dome on the top. There was a little barred window at eye level, but a shutter of the same dark metal was shut on the other side, so they couldn't see in. Alextra knocked, but the sound of her tiny fist on all that metal was laughably unnoticeable. She pounded with the side of her fist, which was only a little louder. Colton Ward sighed dramatically, then unslung the laser rifle from his back. He struck the door with the butt of the gun, making the door vibrate like an unmusical sort of bell. That should do it, he said, shoving the rifle back into place. For a long time, nothing happened. The wind blew around them, spinning Alextra's hair like a banner and sending more bits of gravel skittering down the slope. But that was all. Elliot was just about to suggest they try something else, when they all heard the sound of footsteps approaching the far side of the door. The sound was muffled, but Elliot was sure he wasn't imagining it. Then the door opened with a shriek of rusted, long-unused hinges. Whoever opened it had trapped themselves between the door and the wall, so they were all just staring at a tiny bit of space at the bottom of a long metal staircase that looked no more sturdily anchored than the last staircase they had climbed. Then a woman appeared from around the door. At first Elliot thought she was a twin to Alextra, but then his eyes started picking out subtle differences. This woman was a bit older, although he couldn't quite decide how much older. It changed from moment to moment how old she looked. She was also just a little less... perfect. A silver blonde hair had just a little less luster to it than Alextra's. Her blue eyes were slightly more ordinary shade of that color. Her features were just a little less... immaculately arranged. She blinked out at all of them. Like, after climbing down that long staircase... She was still surprised to see anyone standing at her door, but she didn't say a word. "'Do you know who I am?' Alextra asked her. The woman seemed to notice her for the first time, which was odd, since Alextra was the one standing directly in front of her. The woman blinked again slowly, but then nodded. "'I didn't expect you to come see me,' the woman said. "'But we have all been told to watch for you. Won't you come in?' She stepped back from the doorway. There wasn't quite enough room for all of them at the bottom of the stairs, particularly not once that woman motioned for them to clear the way so she could close the door. Elliot and Kiani climbed up the first few steps of the staircase to make room for the others. Elliot looked up. The same metal staircase zigzagged back and forth up the narrow shaft, up as far as he could see. It was going to be another long climb. I'm not going to try to escape, but I would like to ask a favor of you before you send me home. Alextra said. A favor? The woman repeated. What favor could you require from the chief art advisor to the planetary governor of Odgal? I need to use your ansible, Alextra said. 
The woman blinked, this time in something like surprise, but then she just nodded again and brushed past Alextra and Colton Ward to step onto the staircase. It was a tighter squeeze for her to pass Elliot and Kiani, but they flattened themselves against the cold, slightly damp stone wall to let her by. Then they were all climbing up that staircase, step after step. Elliot lost count somewhere after 400. The stairs ended in another tiny room with an identical door of heavy, dark metal, almost too large to be opened into that space. When she swung it open, the sunlight beyond was almost blinding. Elliot had to stumble out into the open air, then wait for his eyes to adjust before he could look around. The minute he could see, he was instantly grateful he had only taken two or three steps while sunblind. If he had gone much further, he might have walked right off the edge. They were standing on the very top of that tower. It was all one open space with no walls, no railing. Nothing between the five of them and a very long drop. The top of the staircase they had emerged from jutted out of the floor like a square workshed. And at the very center of that circle of tower top was a cottage. It was circular, made of some sort of honey-colored wood, with round windows of frosted glass and a domed roof that came to an onion-like peak. Whatever he thought he might find at the top of the tower, that hadn't been it. And it looked really incongruous against the backdrop of Commonwealth ships, with their bristles of armaments and rows of winking lights. You live up here? Elliot asked. Yes, I like the solitude, she said with a sad sort of smile. Then she led them across the weather-worn stone of the tower to the cottage door. The interior was all one room, with a galley-type kitchen tucked into one area, and a bed and storage chest in another. But most of the interior was filled with art both finished works and things in progress. There was a slanted desk covered with stacks of papers, drawings in various stages of completion. A half-painted canvas waited on an easel near one of the windows. There was even a block of marble with only a few roughed-out marks on it, although the twisty, surreal sculptures around it gave a hint at what it would someday look like. You realize I'm not capable of hiding you, the woman said to Alextra. The Imperial scientists put certain psychological triggers in me that I can't work around. I have to turn you in. I know, Alextra said. I just need to use your ansible. If you need to call out on it first, I understand. But you should know that this man here is Commonwealth Enforcer Captain Colton Ward, and I am already in his custody. Oh, is that the situation? Colton Ward said sarcastically. If you are already in custody, then nothing further is required of me. You may use my ansible, she said. Thank you, Alextra said, then had to add, Where is it? The woman looked around the cluttered cottage, then clicked her tongue as she looked around again. What does it look like? Elliot asked, hoping that the answer wasn't something indistinguishable from all the surrealistic art around them. No, it's over here, the woman said and dropped to her knees to dig under her bed. She emerged with something the size of the palm of her hand that looked like an ornate mirror. She handed it to Alextra. Thank you, Alextra said, taking the mirror and looking into it. She pondered for a moment, then spoke to her own reflection. Liaison to the Commonwealth of Planets at the diplomatic core of the Union of the Free Worlds. The mirror in her hand chirped, but nothing else happened. You must take her to the planetary governor next. The art advisor told Colton Ward. It's protocol. That was my plan, he said. 
I will accompany you, she said. I will summon my conveyance now while Electra is on her call. It will arrive shortly. Thank you, he said. No one has knocked on that door since I arrived here. Strange that you did. I guess we didn't know about your conveyance, Colton Ward said with a shrug. Elliot was pretty sure Electra had taken the long way because the shortcut started in the governor's palace, and if they had gone in there, someone might have stopped them from ever getting up here, at all. Electra would have been sent home without ever getting her hands on this ansible. Aren't those things supposed to be really rare? Kiani asked, leaning close to peer at the back of the ansible in Electra's hand. Supposed to be? What a strange way of putting it, the art advisor said, bemused. I thought the Empress had the only one in the Commonwealth, and she kept it locked up or something? Elliot said. We're not in the Commonwealth, the woman said. Yes, but still, that just makes this thing being here even weirder, doesn't it? He asked. She shrugged. Art knows no bounds. It must be free to spread wherever it wills, all throughout the universe. The art goes through the Ansible? Elliot said slowly, desperately trying to make sense of what she was saying to him. She has art dealers in all known systems, and doesn't like to sleep on buy offers, Alexa told him. Then the ansible in her hand chirped again. It was no longer her reflection in the mirror, but the face of an older man in an ivory-colored uniform. Hello, to whom am I speaking? He said, uncertainly, squinting out of the glass. I am Princess Alexa Camden Elber, of the House Camden Elber, sixth iteration of Tira, Fifth issue of Isabella Camden Elber, Empress of the Commonwealth of Planets, she said. Offer to give him your genetic identification sequence, why don't you? Colton Ward said lowly. Has there been a regime change? We haven't heard from anyone in your sovereignty in decades, he said. No, Isabella is still Empress, Electra said. I'm actually contacting you on behalf of another sovereignty, one my mother is trying to colonize. Only she has no right to do so. How does that involve the Union of Free Worlds? The man asked. The planet in question, Adgal, is a creation of Horus Corporation, she says. I believe it was lost track of some time ago, but the current population would still like to exercise their rights to be protected from aggressive colonizers. And can you prove what you say? The man asked. He kept glancing down, then up again, like he was logging her answers on a tablet just out of view. I can provide you with the entire serial number of the planet, Alexa said. Ready? Go, the man said. Alexa then rattled off a long string of letters, numbers, and named symbols. This went on for some time. Elliot remembered touching the worn remains of the inscription on the other side of the rock. Not only had Alexa been able to make it all out, she had committed it all to memory. When she finished, the man was already nodding. Yes, it's in our system here. You are correct. It was abandoned after the sail fell through at the final hour. How imminent is the danger of colonization? Alexa didn't answer. She just stepped over to the nearest window and turned the ansible so that it faced out over the city and the flotilla of ships hanging above it. Right, we're on our way, he said. I regret I may not be here when you arrive, but there is an organization here that can work with you on the next steps. They are led by a man named Colrin, she said. Are you personally in danger? the man asked. Alexa glanced up at Colton Ward, but only for a split second. Then she said, No, I am quite safe. I just need to return to my mother. 
Understood, the man said. Then the Ansible reverted to merely reflecting her own face once more. Why didn't you tell him you needed help? Elliot asked. Because I don't, she said as she handed the Ansible back to the art advisor. I am going with Captain Ward willingly. But why? You can't be done with what you set out to do. You've only been to one planet, Elliot said. And you haven't even saved all that yet, Kiani added. Nevertheless, Alextra started to say, but then broke off when they all heard the sound of a loud engine approaching the cottage. They went out the door to see a hovering platform emerging into view, up the side of the tower. It bopped up higher than the tower momentarily, and Elliot was nearly blinded again by the bluish-white light of its massive hover disk. Then it settled down at a point level with the top of the tower, like an elevator platform with no sides. Four Commonwealth enforcers stepped off the platform first, taking up positions around the tower. They had laser rifles in their hands, but kept them pointed down at the stone floor. The next person to step off, Elliot guessed, was the planetary governor. He was wearing a fancy suit that was cut like a military uniform, but had no rank or service branch insignia on it. His hair was also too long for him to be an enforcer. Then came a face he did recognize, the admiral from the Commonwealth flagship. He was scowling at them all, but relaxed visibly when he saw Colton Ward standing beside Alextra. Elliot looked at the remaining people on the platform, but it was only four more enforcers with rifles. His mother wasn't there. She must still be on the flagship. He hoped she was okay. Any particular reason you came up here to chat with my chief art advisor and not present yourselves to me down in the palace? The governor asked. Are you a citizen of Odgal? Alextra asked him. He looked taken aback. Well, young lady, you might say I'm the first citizen of Odgal, he said. The admiral hissed something at him, but the constant wind kept Elliot from making out his words. The governor flushed a bit, then turned his attention to Alextra again. I beg your pardon, your imperial highness. But then he turned back to the admiral again to ask loudly, But isn't she a prisoner? I don't get the protocol here. I have no desire to stand on protocol, sir, Alextra said. But I do need a clearer answer to my question. Were you born on this world, or are you from elsewhere in the Commonwealth? I was born here, the governor said. Then as a citizen of this world, and furthermore as its elected leader, you should know that this world is not subject to colonization by the Commonwealth or any other sovereignty, Alextra said. The governor glanced back at the admiral, but the admiral just shrugged. She claims this world is created by a corporation, and that there is a logo for this corporation out in the desert. Colton Ward told them. And I never would have found it if you hadn't insisted on flying us all the way out there, so thank you, Alextra said to him with a cheery smile. Colton Ward just stood there, jaw hanging open, as he realized she was right. But Alextra took another step closer to the governor and admiral. I assure you, it's true. The Commonwealth needs to leave at once. Remove the enforcers on the ground and the ships in orbit, she said. You can prove what you're saying is true? The admiral asked, skeptically. I can, but I'm sure you're going to want to argue about the veracity of my claims for as long as you can, so let me tell you now that the Union of Free Worlds is already on their way. Their delegates will be here shortly, and they will remain until they are satisfied that the free people of Odgal are being ruled by leaders of their own choosing. Then she gave the governor a pitying look. I have a feeling that's not going to be you. My apologies. You're bluffing, the admiral said. 
We all heard it, Elliot said. The Admiral looked at Colton Ward, who reluctantly nodded. Then one of the other enforcers ran up to whisper in the Admiral's ear. The Admiral scowled even more darkly than before. I guess that confirms it, but we're going to need some time to dismantle our bases here and move the equipment back onto our ships. He had been speaking to Alextra, but it was the governor who puffed out his chest importantly and said, Of course, we completely understand, but in the meantime, if you could just have those ships pull back into a higher orbit, it's a matter of optics, I'm sure you understand. Behind the moon would work, Elliot volunteered. I mean, your shuttles go that far routinely already. Yes, that sounds perfect, Admiral. Behind the moon, the governor said. The Admiral glared at the governor, not liking this sudden change in the man's previous subservient demeanor. But in the end, he just said, Very well, it will be done. Then he and his enforcers retreated to the far end of the platform. Elliot could see the Admiral already barking orders into a comm. You three are the ones who discovered the truth about our world? The governor asked, looking from Alextra to Kiani to Elliot. More or less, Kiani said. We all owe you more than we can ever repay, the entire population of Adgal. But won't you join me at the palace as my very special guests? I'm sure there will be much to be done with the union of whatever she said arrives, and I would love to count on you all. You'll need to work with the rebel leaders as well, Alextra said. Colrin and the others. The rebellion? The governor said doubtfully. But Alextra's warning glare, he blanched and quickly said, Of course, of course. I shall send for them at once. In the meantime, he swept his arms towards the platform behind him. It didn't look remotely safe, but the idea of going back down all those rickety staircases had no appeal at all. Elliot shrugged at Kiani and stepped onto the floating platform. She leapt on beside him. Can you believe this guy? He whispered to her, rolling his eyes at the governor. The man was clearly trying to win Electra over to his side. He was elected before, wasn't he? Kiani said, but then she shook her head in answer to her own question. No, your mother said that was all rigged, but does anyone here know that? They will, I'm sure, before it comes time for the next election, Elliot said. If my mother knows, then Colrin knows. No, I think when all is said and done, Colrin will be governor of Odgal. He's a good guy? Kiani asked. He seems so every time we met him. I barely know him better than you do, but I would say yes, Elliot said. Then he looked at the governor again, practically foaming at the mouth as he tried to sweet-talk Alextra. I don't think we could do worse. With Colrin as governor, maybe they'll shut the prison camps down, Kiani said. Then she did something Elliot had never seen her do before. She rolled back her sleeve to look at the counter on her arm, slowly ticking down an impossible length of time. But I'm not a citizen of Odgal. My parents weren't from here, so I guess I don't get a vote. Lots of things are going to change, Elliot assured her. But he was worried too. In his case, he was worried about his mother. Would she know what was going on in time to get off the flagship? Or would she be trapped in her new identity, whisked away to some new star system in some new mission? And if she was exposed now, could she still be executed as a spy? He didn't know the first thing about how laws like that worked, but he did know when an enforcer had a grudge against you, the laws served, whatever end that enforcer wanted and not the other way around.
The platform set down in the middle of an immense pleasure garden, just on the shores of a perfectly circular pond. The admiral and his enforcers left without saying goodbye, marching double-time to a waiting shuttle at the far end of a grassy field. Elliot watched them climb aboard and close the ramp behind them. Then he watched the shuttle lift up slowly, then fire its engines to propel it up into the sky. He lost sight of it pretty quickly from there, but only because he was distracted by the sight of the ships that hovered over the city. They were getting smaller. Even as he looked at them, they were receding. He heard what sounded like a soft roar in the distance. The roar grew in intensity, and then there were shouts and whistles. He was hearing the people of the city. Everyone was outside cheering and celebrating as the ships that had hung over all their lives for years, finally, finally, left them in peace. My friends, it is time for us to depart, Alextra said to Elliot and Kiani. You're just going to let her lock you and your sisters up in rooms in some tower? Elliot demanded. Of course not, Alextra said. But you don't need to worry about me. You're going to have your hands full here, I'm sure. The work is only beginning. Yeah, Elliot said, but he wasn't sure he meant it. Alextra might be someone who could see herself sitting at meeting tables, helping others to craft a government or whatever, but that wasn't him. Not that he wanted to go back to sleeping floors and serving chai makanis in a restaurant, although that hadn't been the worst thing in the world. He suddenly realized he was free to do just about anything he wanted now. The only problem was, he had no idea what that was. I thought we were going to stick together forever, Kiani said. I thought we'd see the universe together. We might someday, but I have to deal with my mother first, Alextra said. You freed us, but not yourself, Elliot said to her. Kiani glanced at her counter again, and he realized that wasn't completely true. He was free, but his friends weren't. Not yet. It's time to go, Golden Ward said impatiently. My shuttle is parked just over there. It's time we were on it. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be perfectly fine, Electra assured them both. Then she turned and left with Colden Ward. She never looked back. I wish we could sneak onto that shuttle, Elliot said to Kiani. I don't think we'd get away with that, Kiani said. But there are other shuttles. What do you mean? Elliot asked her. A blur of motion caught his eye, and he saw the planetary governor standing on the back steps of the palace, desperately waving for them to join in. I don't know about you, but I really don't think this is where I'm meant to be, Kiani said. In the palace or in the city? Elliot asked. Frankly, Odgal, she said. I was born in a prison. I never did anything wrong, not to earn that kind of sentence. I don't think what my parents did was so bad either. I should never have been born here. I should have been born somewhere else, somewhere out there. Okay, Elliot said. So now both his friends were leaving him. He was going to be all alone, again. Do you really want to hang around here and be the governor's special pets? I mean, it's not like he takes us seriously. Just Alextra. And she's gone now, Kiani said. No, you're right. Elliot said. When these people come from the Union of Free Worlds, we can talk to them. Maybe they can help us get somewhere else. Maybe, Kiani said too brightly. But maybe we don't need to wait for them. Who knows how long it will take them to get here anyway. So, what do you want to do? 
Elliot asked. Do you see that shuttle over there? Kiani said, pointing to yet another Enforcer shuttle parked in the gardens. I think we should stow away on that. All the shuttles are leaving. We'll be up in space in no time. And then what? Elliot asked. One step at a time, Kiani said. We'll figure it out, one step at a time. Unless you wanted to stay? No, I don't really want to stay, Elliot admitted. I want to get back to that flagship and make sure my mother is okay. I was thinking of your mother too, Kiani said. How so? I was thinking, as long as she's pretending to be a commander in the Commonwealth military, she's our best chance at catching up with Electra, Kiani said. Elliot looked up again, and was startled to see all the ships were already out of sight. He could see stars, a whole dome of stars over the city. It was beautiful. He was glad he got to see it just one time. Everything he had gone through over the last few days was totally worth it. What are you thinking? Kiani asked him. I'm thinking I like your plan, Elliot said. Step one, get on the shuttle and hide. Step two, step two, we figure out when we get to it. Kiani said with a grin. She touched the hilts of the knives in her belt. Ready? Elliot touched the needle gun in his pocket. Ready. They sprinted across the garden, away from the palace, and the only world they had ever known, but towards everything they had yet to experience. One step at a time. This has been Tales of the Chai Makani Trio by Kate McLeod. Performed by Oliver Vincent. Tales of the Chai Makani Trio is a Rada Tosker Press production.